Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Whenever people are confronted with a gospel message, we usually see a number of responses. You see, the gospel message demands a response. It's really quite impossible to sit on the fence. God demands all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel, the good news of his free forgiveness through Christ. You will either do that, or you won't. So why do people run from God's call? Well, as evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen discusses today, some are simply wanting something else. And there's a lot out there, my friend. The world has a lot to offer, or at least it seems to. But here's the catch. Ultimately, it doesn't satisfy. People come up empty every time. Still others are waiting. Yes, waiting. Waiting for another time, another place, another set of circumstances. But tragically, the waiting mode doesn't work either. A better time will never come. In fact, you are not guaranteed another time but the present. Now. Can you be sure you will be alive tomorrow? Or later on tonight? No, of course you can't. God wants you to get the matter of your soul's salvation settled now, and we trust that today's message will help you to put it off no longer. Verse number 22 of Matthew chapter 27. These are Pilate's words. He was a Roman governor. He was facing one of the greatest crises of his life. And it came right down to this issue. In verse 22 of Matthew 27, Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And that question of 11 words really is pivotal in this meeting and in every meeting. Because every meeting involves a response from every individual concerning this person and concerning the greatest offer that has ever come from heaven. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And tonight God is waiting for your response. Luke chapter 12 and the words of the Lord Jesus in verse number 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought or he reasoned within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow all my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow, I'll put all of the goods there, I'll bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. And if the story ended there, it'd be fine. Verse 20, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Now back to the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, chapter 23. And we'll just break in on the account, verse number 10. These are the words of a man called Balaam. He was a prophet of sorts, and he was looking over the encampment of the nation of Israel. They were traveling to the promised land, and he made a very interesting statement. Numbers, chapter 23, and verse number 10. 
Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? So there must have been a a vast number. And then he says these words, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. Interesting. Let's go back to the gospel of Matthew chapter 25 now. And we'll just read verse number one. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins or ten moral people moral persons, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So they were all intending to be there when the bridegroom came. One final portion in Acts chapter 24. This is really where I want to end up. Acts chapter 24, and we'll read it. Verse number 24. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he, that would be Paul, as Paul reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season. I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, into his position, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. You might be wondering how all of these scriptures tie together. Well, they're just a a very simple thought that goes through all of these passages, at least in my mind, that I would like to address tonight because there will be a variety of responses to the person of Christ in this audience tonight. Judas said, I want. We have read of this man, we've just finished reading about Felix, and he said, he had a different answer. He said, I'll wait. I'll wait. Now, it wasn't a lack of interest. And I think the very reason that you're here tonight is there must be an interest. You're not against the gospel. And here's a man, and he understood the message. And no doubt he was convinced of its truth. In fact, it jarred him. He trembled. It concerned him. It moved him. It got beyond just a kind of a mental ascent as he understood this man is speaking to me. This man is touching the innermost part of my being and And things are not right. And it stirred him. This is a message that has eternal consequences. This involves your soul. This involves heaven or hell. This involves the greatest gift of forgiveness. This involves the greatest tragedy, to lose your soul forever. And here's a man, he was convinced of the truth of the message. And yet when the bottom line came, he simply said, Thanks, Paul. I'll wait. But I have wondered whether there are not individuals here and you intend to get saved someday. You have every intention of being in heaven. But right now, tonight, you're just saying, well, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I'll just wait. Because you see, that response, that reality, ties all of these passages together because we have read, in my mind anyway, of some of the good intentions that are found in Bible characters. Now, just to be very simple and very plain, an intention is a plan of action, it's an objective, it's a purpose, it's a goal that is going to be accomplished in the future. I intend to do that, it's in my mind, it's on my day planner, I've got it written down, I'm going to do it, it's going to be accomplished, guaranteed, but it's going to be in the future. And so, an intention really has two parts. Number one, there is a purpose, there is a goal which is definite. Number two, there is a time, which is indefinite. And every single one of us tonight 
have got some intentions and likely good intentions concerning something we're going to do in the future. Well, you know, when it comes to good intentions, to me, there, there, there's a variety of factors. Sometimes there's what I call a lack of resources. I'm sure every one of us have got some things we want to get done around the house. New kitchen, uh, new door, the front, new patio deck, want to finish up the basement, want to put some hardwood down. But you know, times are hard. Money is scarce. We intend to do it somewhere down the road. But right now, we lack resources. And that's a real thing, isn't it? We're intending to do it when the money comes in. And so there's a lack of resources for that thing to become a reality. Number two, sometimes there's a lack of necessity. I intend to clean out my garage. But you know, I can still get my old car in there. And I barely get it in, but you know, I can still get it in. So why, why spend time cleaning up the garage? I really don't have to right now. When things start falling in and caving in, well, then, then I'll do it. But at this point, there's a lack of necessity. And so it remains just a, a good intention. I think there's another thing, another factor. There's a lack of accountability. Nobody is standing over me and saying, now, Marv, you've got to do it. And you've got to do it today. Now, sometimes our wives get, get to that point. But um, I think some, some of us parents will likely recall, or maybe it's happened even today, where we tell our kids, now you've got to clean up your room and do it right now. You can't do anything else until that room is cleaned up. And when there's accountability, then sometimes good intentions get done. But when there's a lack of accountability, when no one is standing over me and saying, now, Marv, you've got to do it, a good intention remains just a good intention. There's one more factor in my mind with regard to good intentions. A lot of times, there's just a lack of interest. I'll do it when I feel like it. I'll do it when I get around to it. But right now, I'm not interested. I've got other things in my mind, and so it just remains undone. You know, tonight, as we preach the gospel, as we try to make this message clear and plain, as we plead with your souls concerning your greatest need, these factors are very much in view. But I can tell you, number one, there is not a lack of resource on God's part. He has provided a full salvation. And he's offering it without cost. It comes as a gift. He paid it all. And tonight you could receive the greatest gift. There's not a lack of resources. And friend, there's not a lack of necessity tonight. I trust you understand that you need to be saved. I trust you understand tonight that you need to have your sins forgiven. You will not be in heaven if your sins are not forgiven. You will miss heaven with unforgiven sins. We must be saved. We must be born again. There is a tremendous necessity in this message. And furthermore, there's not a lack of accountability. We're here to represent the God of salvation. We're here, feeble, feeble men. But friend, we are presenting the God that says, this is what you need. God God commands all men everywhere to repent. So it's not a lack of accountability. You know why you're not saved tonight? Could be number four. Just a lack of interest. If I get saved, fine. Don't get saved, well, what can I do? And you're just kind of moving along, intending to get saved someday. But it's not the greatest, greatest factor in your life. Well, I want to notice just very, very briefly these four scriptures that we have read because to me they, they focus for us the bottom line of Felix's life. Just a good intention. 
We've read in Luke chapter 12 about a man who intended to live a long time. You remember what he said? I've got a lot of things stored up for many, many, many years. So I can just kind of kick back, relax. Everything's guaranteed. I've got things just the way I want them. Many years. He intended to live a long time. We have read in Numbers chapter 23 about another man, Balaam, and he intended to die the right way. Let me die the death of the righteous. Let my last end be like his. You know what he was saying? I want to die like a Christian. I want to go to heaven. Let my last end be like his. And as he looked over the encampment of the nation of Israel, he thought to themselves, those people have been redeemed. Those people know the God of heaven. God has been gracious to them, and what they've got is what I want. Let me die just like them. I want to die as a Christian. This man intended to die the right way. I wonder, do you intend to die the right way? We've read in Matthew chapter 25 about 10 individuals, and they intended to be at the marriage supper. If I could just apply it in the gospel tonight, they intended to be ready when the Lord comes. I wonder, are you intending to be ready? Because the Bible says when once the master of the house rises up and he shuts to the door, when that door closes, it'll never be opened for you. The door is open tonight. And here were 10 individuals, and they started and they intended to be ready to respond to when the bridegroom came. And then, of course, we have read in Acts chapter 24 about a man, I believe, that intended to be saved someday. Good intentions. Luke chapter 12 brings before us this man who intended to live a long time. You know, when you're young, the highway of life seems like it's, a, it's the 401 magnified, doesn't it? It just stretches out before you with all kinds of breadth and with all kinds of length. You can just fast track it. Whatever is there, just let her go when you're young. I tell you, when you get a little further down the road, you, you realize, boy, the road's getting a little shorter. I recall when I turned 50, and that wasn't yesterday. I did a bit of math, because the Bible says about living 70 years, three score and 10 or four scores. So I just thought, well, if, and it's still an if, if the Lord gives me seven years, then I just did the math, 50 over 70, and I couldn't believe the result. I thought I'd made a mistake, because the answer was my life was 71% over. And yet here you are in a gospel meeting, and maybe you have plans for a long life. This man had a lot of things going for him. This man had a bumper crop. Things were going well. The only problem he had in his mind was where to put all the produce, put all the grain, all the fruit. It just He didn't have any more room. He was a good cultivator. He was a good farmer. But he made a very, very tragic, tragic mistake. He was a poor calculator because he thought he had many years. And it could well be I'm speaking to an individual here tonight or maybe more than one, and you are convinced and you're hoping, and you're counting on many years. This man didn't understand and didn't, didn't fathom that God would have a final word, and God says, this night, this night, your soul will be required of you. Let me just ask you tonight, and this is not a matter of drama. It's not a matter of playing on emotion. This is reality. If this was your final gospel meeting, if you would not go to work tomorrow, if your life would come to a close tonight, and it could for any of us, what about your soul? This poor man, this poor rich man in Luke chapter 12 intended to live a long, long time, 
and he never saw the light of the next day. This night, thy soul required of thee. But I think of Balaam tonight. You know, as Balaam looked at the encampment of Israel, he thought, you know, those people really have what counts. Those people know God. Those people are forgiven. Those people, they've got a future. They're going to a promised land. God is with them. And could I tell you, after 41 years of that reality in my life, there's nothing greater than to, than to know your sins are forgiven and to know that you're going to heaven and that you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You have nothing to fear. It's not that life is necessarily user-friendly. Sometimes when a person gets saved, life becomes very difficult. And there are trials and there are difficulties and there are long valleys because we are walking by faith. But we know whom we have believed and we are persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him against that day. Our future is secure and our present is glorious and our past has been forgiven. And as this man looked at that kind of a group of people, he thought to themselves, I would like to have what they have. And he says, I would like to die the right way. You know, there are two ways to die. Oh, you say, Marv, there, there's a lot of ways to, to leave this, this world. Um, yes, that's true, medically speaking, as far as the body. But spiritually speaking, there's only two ways to die. You can either die in Christ or you'll die in your sins. In Christ, forgiven. In your sins, unforgiven. In Christ, heaven. In your sins, hell. In Christ, eternal light. In your sins, eternal night and darkness. I wonder what what way do you intend to die? When the bottom line comes, where will your soul be? And here's a man who made a very, very wonderful statement, a great desire, a good intention. But I have to tell you, this man never, never saw his good intention realized. This man died in his sins, despite all that he knew. And our fear and our concern is that there are individuals here and you know so much. And you've been surrounded by the grace of God. And you're convinced that it's true. But our concern is that you might die in your sins. Because just saying good words and having good intentions will not guarantee the result. I just mentioned Matthew chapter 25 because here's 10 individuals. And they intended to be ready when the bridegroom came. Thank God five of them were. But five alongside of them looked just alike. Similar intention. Similar desire. They had all gone out to meet the bridegroom. And they all slumbered and slept. But when the moment came and when the cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Suddenly the, the pivotal difference was realized. I need to tell you that the Lord Jesus is about to return. We're not setting dates. We're able to tell you that the Bible says the coming of the Lord is drawing near. In fact, the Lord Jesus himself says, Behold, I come quickly. And that simply means that he could come at any moment, any moment. And that's why, friend, if you're alongside of these individuals that intended to be ready for the, for the bridegroom, it'll not guarantee that he'd be inside the door. That's why I come to Acts chapter 24, because I've been thinking about this man's response. Felix trembled as he heard the gospel. As Paul, in a very, very personal way, man to man, or man to couple, he spoke of righteousness and temperance, and judgment to come. And Felix listened. We're glad you're listening tonight, but I'm not sure that his response will be your response. Felix trembled. 
And his answer was simply this, Paul, thanks very much. When I have a convenient season, I will call for you. And I was just thinking today about that little word convenient. I'll close with this. Convenient season. I think there's two sides to that coin. There are two truths that that word encompasses. Because number one, when he said, when I have a convenient season, he, he didn't understand that there would never be a convenient season as far as the enemy was concerned. In fact, the enemy is determined, both with Felix and with you, he's determined to just ease you past an open door. He will do all that he can to hinder, to obstruct, to intimidate. He will use lies. He will use intimidation. He will use fear. He will use all kinds of pressure just that you might miss salvation. And so there is never a convenient time as far as the enemy is concerned. It will never be convenient. Souls get saved when they say, I need to be saved now. And they don't put it off. But the other side of that coin is simply this. It will never be more convenient than it is tonight. You can't do anything about past opportunities. We can't recall past time. But tonight God is offering you the greatest gift and it will never be more convenient. I've discovered both from personal experience and from watching others, that the older you get, the harder it becomes to get saved. All kinds of factors. Relationships complicate our response to Christ. Light rejected only brings darkness. And yet tonight, God is offering you his salvation. I wonder, will you say, I'll wait? Not tonight, I'll wait pulled in front of the retirement home, and we just sat in the car, a 90-year-old with a, a younger man. And, you know, he was open. He was searching. He really wanted to be saved. And I remember him telling me, he said, you know, I, I, I don't know why I can't get saved, but he says, I, I guess I've got a ways to go yet. And he stopped. And I said, I know what you're saying, and, and I can understand what you're saying. I said, when it comes to faith... Faith rests on facts, and God wants you to know the facts. So sometimes there is a process, as, as people hear the gospel, that there is truth that becomes clear, and, and sometimes there is a time element there. And I said, I wanted to speak respectfully. I said, when a man knows his need because of his sin, and when he knows the remedy through Christ, God expects a response. I said, but if you were out in Lake Huron and your boat capsized, and you were in the water, I said, you would not say, I know I need to be saved, but I guess I've got a ways to go yet. You would say, I need to be saved right now. That's where you are. I didn't know that was the last time I would ever speak to him. Those weren't calculated words as far as understanding the big picture. But thank God that man responded to his need that night. Went to his room, got down on his knees, and he simply received the Savior. He didn't know he only had eight days to go before he would... He'd go to heaven. What will your response be? I want or I'll wait. Don't wait, friend. No guarantee tomorrow. The Lord Jesus, in fact, the gospel tells us, behold, now, now is the accepted time. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Well, you've reached the end of this message. And it's response time, so what will it be? Accept or reject? 
are you still wanting something else from this poor, bankrupt world system? Or maybe you would like to be saved but are waiting for a better time in your life after you graduate, or after you get a job, after you start your family, after you retire, after you get your funeral arrangements made. How foolhardy is this? God's time is now. Turn to Christ for salvation. He's waiting to receive you. Don't miss your opportunity and find yourself in a lost eternity a lot sooner than you ever dreamed. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.